Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. This is the Cannon Cast, a weekly podcast from the Cannon and SB Nation blog about the Columbus Blue Jackets. I am Will Chase, and with me tonight is Elaine Shercliffe. What's up, Elaine? Hi, Will. How are you doing? Doing well. And we also have a special guest, Ed Ginger. He's the president of the Ohio AAA Blue Jackets. Ed, how are you tonight? We're doing great. Good to be here. Yeah, definitely. It's so awesome to have you on. So we'll go ahead and just kind of get right into it. I kind of have just a simple question starting off, but uh, if you could just kind of explain uh, the birth of the program and just kind of, you know, your obviously your involvement with it throughout the years. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of a funny story. Uh, my prior life, I was the general manager of the Dayton Bombers and the ECHL, and we were obviously affiliates with the Blue Jackets as they were just starting out. And um, I had gone through two bad ownership changes in Dayton and was looking for something new and actually had lunch with a, a family in Dayton that had, you know, a son that was playing youth hockey, but having to travel everywhere. And, and they were wondering if the Dayton Bombers wanted to be interested getting involved in elite youth hockey. And that got my wheels turning uh, very quickly because I was looking for something new at the time. And my wife was seven months pregnant and I resigned from my job with the Bombers and uh, we started the AAA program. And ironically enough, after, um, you know, I figured out kind of what I wanted to to look at doing, my first phone call was to Doug McClain. And obviously we had dealt with Doug with the affiliation and, and Chris McFarland and, and the like. And Doug said, we'll be in my office tomorrow morning. So uh, drove to Columbus, and and really that was the beginning of the AAA program at that time. And one of the best things that that we did was we started with a, a group of good business people, good hockey people. Paul Donscott being one of them, Bruce Edwards, J.D. Kershaw, um, Terry Fairholm at that time, and just they were more of an advisory board. Um, but the the deal with Doug was is that the Blue Jackets were going to get involved. It had to move to Columbus. And that made perfect sense. Uh, my wife was actually from Worthington, so I brought a daughter home, um, and uh, and that was the beginning of the AAA program. And I, I kind of joke: there's not many years where the lockouts were were good for hockey, but the lockout was good for us because that first lockout 
Doug McLean's son played for us. And Doug got to see the level of play, the quality of play, what we were trying to do. And uh, we moved it to Columbus after one year in Dayton. And then we added teams from there on out. And um, we've been pretty fortunate to have, a, you know, a tremendous amount of success pretty quickly. And I think it's it's all in due to the quality of people that are in Columbus and the quality of coaching that these kids have gotten. And, you know, we we hit a market at the right time. And we've been fortunate to have a lot of kids take advantage of some of that opportunity, too. And and it's uh, it's been a whirlwind. It's been 16 years and it feels like it's been two. It's amazing how quickly the time goes and how gray my hair gets um, is uh, is the older I get. But I'm still having a blast every day doing it. And, uh, you know, you you see these kids move on to higher levels and achieve their dreams. There's there's not a better feeling for a coach. That's for sure. Yeah, kind of speak about the people who were involved in that first year, first two years, and what they even bring to the table today, because you had Trent Vogelhuber, and like you said, Clark McLean, so. Yeah, it's, it again, it just comes full circle. Like Trent sent me a text today wanting to get involved while the HL season is, is kind of waiting to start, and Clark McLean's now a player agent, represents Sean Corrales, so you see how small the hockey world ends up being, but you know, that first year's team, you know, it, it was, you know, a scramble to to put it together and put a team together. But I'll tell you what, I, I'm not sure if we've got more kids that are more proud of the program than kids from that first year's team. And, and what was special about that group is they had opportunities to play other places, but they realized that they could be part of something special and, and be, you know, kind of the the founders of the AAA Blue Jackets, and and they understood the, I guess, the magnitude of what they were doing, and and that's that's hard to do, you know, especially at you know 16, 17, 18 years old, and especially for their parents as well, in investing in that. But they understood it was the right time, and it was important for their kids to be a part of it. And I look back on that roster, and we had. You know, I think three Division One hockey players off that team, and a couple Division Three players, and you know, guys that are in coaching from Trent to AJ Shiverdecker to you know, police officers. It's it's just a really cool, you know, time when when you reflect back on on just the quality of people that that these kids have turned into, and and it's just it's a lot of fun. But yeah, Clark and and Bogey still keep tabs with with all those guys, and and it's. Uh, yeah, it's just a special group, that's for sure. So uh, what are your what are some of your favorite moments from running the program? That's a good question. Um, we got a few. They, there was a big turning point. Um, it's probably a couple years into the program. We were always kind of the little the little dog in the block um, with the Cleveland Barons. And the Barons used to just they used to knock us around the ice pretty regularly and and we, hosted them in the state tournament uh, at the ice house and the ice house was packed. Um, and Danny Griner scored a double overtime game winning goal to knock off the Barons for us. And that was a turning point in our program at that point where we realized that we can run with at that time, what we felt were, were the big boys in the state. And, and we've never looked back. And that was probably one of the first, um, you know, key moments as a program, Obviously, we had some, you know, tournament wins and, and things like that where, you know, it was nice when Doug McLean would pick up the phone and call you and tell you congratulations and NHL GM caring, even when his son wasn't on the team. It, 
you know, those are some special moments and, um, winning the Quebec tournament, Elaine uh, knows that group very well. Um, you know, it's, uh, you, you get a few of those moments where it's, you, you look back fondly. We had a team a couple of years back that was just outstanding actually that had Carson Meyer and Cole Sherwood on it. Um, and we had a hell of a team that year and, um, you know, just winning big games, winning a league championship that year, um, you know, winning a district title at Chiller North with a group of kids that won three hockey games and they were 12 years old. Um, you know, those things that really stick out, you know, from a play perspective and, and on ice and, you know, there's, there's so many, you know, wonderful memories, but those are the ones that jump to mind. Yeah. So speaking of that U18 team, you definitely had a fun bunch with them. There was never a dull moment. I remember being at many of those practices and games, never a dull moment. Um, but then you went and coached your son. Yep. So was it just as crazy or <laughs> what was the differences in the, the, the similarities between coaching those two teams? Yeah, it, it's funny because they're, you know, when I started coaching Ryan's team last year, they're 15 years old. And, and in many ways, they're no different than the 18 year olds. Um, uh, but in a lot of ways, they're they're different. And you get a chance to coach these kids, uh, you know, a few years early where you hope you can make even more of an impact on, you know, their ability to play the game and understand the game. Um, it's been a blast for me to coach Ryan because it's you as a dad, I've, I've given up a lot of his games growing up for, um, everybody else's kids, you know, to a certain extent. And, and I've loved every minute of that, but it got to the point where, you know, I wanted to be a part of, of some of that development for him. It's some crucial years and, and not only him, but just his buddies that I've been fortunate enough to see, you know, grow up. They they didn't know me really as a coach. They knew me as Brian's dad. And I opened doors and padded helmets and padded backs and, and uh, you know, helped where the head coach needed me to help. Um, but when it was time to jump in, it, it was uh, it was a blast. And Elaine, you know me well enough. We're, we're jumping in. And, and as I told them, I'm not going to treat them any different than an 18-year-old. Um, they're young men that need to grow up quickly and, and hopefully we can teach them some things that they look back on and enjoy. I probably had to tone down some of my terminology and language a little bit at times. Um, but they'll tell you that I probably haven't toned down some of that enough. Uh, but it's, uh, yeah, I've had a blast. It's a really, it's a great group of kids, great group of parents and, and been fortunate enough to, to be able to coach them here. And this will be year two. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll see what, what lies ahead, but it, it's going to be a fun group to watch. You've had many former NHL players coach within your program. How have you been able to promote your program in such a way that makes them feel like the AAA could be their next home? Well, it's in what way, I guess. Yeah. You've had guys like Jared Bull come back and coach, uh, Chris Clark was coaching this past year. Jeff Christian, you know, all of those kind of guys, what makes them want to come? And now you have Feder Tutin. So like, what makes them want to come to the program? Do you have to sell it to them or do they just come to you? Well, it's, it's a little of both. I think it's, we've been fortunate enough and we're in a market like Columbus where you're starting to see a lot of those alumni guys settle here and want to raise their families here. And, and when you're around the hockey world enough as we are, it's a game that gives back and the people involved give back and, and guys like Toots and Clarkie and Andrew Castles and Perry Ganchar. And, and you go down the list of, of the guys, you know, bowlers back involved. And, you know, even a guy like Cam Atkinson, Cam's 
actively involved in the local youth hockey, you know, community while he's still playing. Um, but it's, it's the community that Columbus is able to provide them and their families. And, and that's, what's fun is, you know, you're able to, to get, you know, these guys come back and they want to get involved. And, and even, you know, our current NHLers, like they all spend their summers here and they want to come back here and they want to settle here and be involved. And, you know, just recently, the, what, probably a week or so back, like, you know, for our practices, like Rossovic and Sherwood are out in our practices in full gear going because they're just chomping at the bit. They can't wait to, to get back playing. And, and those are guys that are getting their morning skates in with, with the other pro guys in town. So we're fortunate that Columbus itself is a wonderful draw. And then us being here and being a part of it and, and being the, the AAA program in town, these guys want to jump in and get back and, and be a part of it. And, and again, we're fortunate. We look at what St. Louis has done, you know, throughout all the years, and there's a lot of similarities in our market and St. Louis market where it's, you know, has a lot of small town feel, but all the big city amenities and, you know, the, the NHL alumni that's involved with the AAA Blues program is, is enormous. And I think you're going to see Columbus just only add to that uh, in the coming years. Do you think the alumni sticking around and being at practices, do you think that makes your players strive to be even better? I think so. Just from the standpoint that those are guys that have been there, um, that are either currently there or have been there. And, you know, what better examples than, than those guys to, to reach out to and ask questions to. And, you know, it's funny. I, I tell our guys all the time, it's a, it's a good trivia question. Who was the last captain of the Washington Capitals before Ovechkin? And not a lot of guys know. And I'm like, it's, it's Clarkie. It's Chris Clark. And, you know, we're fortunate to have him in the program, not only as a coach and as a person, but his role within the Blue Jackets and the Monsters, it's, it's special for us. And, and it's an opportunity for our coaches to get better. And even a guy like Mike Battaglia, who's with the Colorado Avalanche, like Bags, Bags still shows up at our tryouts to help out and still breaks down video for us to help us. And, and those are things that allows them to still be involved. But it's it's so great for our kids, you know, to have those resources and can pick their brain. And, you know, whether it's, you know, again, a Rick Nash or Jody Shelley, like these guys are around the rinks now. And and that is awesome for our kids, not just the AAA kids, all the kids in Columbus, because those are guys that, that these kids have looked up to. And, and it's just, yeah, it's just pretty special. Yeah. And now over the years, you've had several players play in the AHL, ECHL, NHL, and even some of the top teams overseas. What is that like for you as a program director and a coach to watch that happen? Well, it, it's obviously it's special. And and what makes it better is, you know, the quality of men they've become. And, you know, to be able to be a part of their path and a part that they're very proud of, we're very proud of them. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's nice. You know, when those guys come back, it's, you know, they all came back for the golf outing this year, like just with the way the schedules work. And they were all on a vacation prior to the golf outing. And those are things that I, I told them in passing. I said, you guys don't realize how special that is. You know, it's, they've, they are a club, but they created the club. And, and it's really cool. And a guy like Vogie, who's now coaching in Cleveland, was the patriarch of, you know, of that club. And, and it's, it's just really neat when, you know, they're all on the ice together. They all get along. They all hang out in the summertime. They all go out at night. It's it's just really, really neat to, to see the friendships and relationship they've had. 
but selfishly for me, it, it's pretty cool. And it, they're always proud moments. And, and it's, uh, the next proud moment for us is when one of them brings that cup back to Columbus. And if it's not one of our guys playing for the jackets, you know, I'm, I'm sure rooting for them once the, the jackets get eliminated, but that'll be the next big moment for us is when that cup comes back whether it's a CBJ or one of our alumni. Now, how exciting is it for you to know that there are three former players just two hours north of you guys playing for Cleveland in Cleveland Barons territory, no less. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's honestly, it's, it's pretty cool. And it's not something that was manufactured. You know, it's, it's they, the, the, the big club wanted them. And the big club went out and found ways to to get them a part of the organization. Obviously, two of them are draft picks, and then Cole was signed right off the U18 team. So, you know, the the direct connections are there. And and you know, I remember getting the call from from the draft floor that they were taking Vogelhuber. Like I, I went through the roof because that was our first one. And then, you know, to see Vogel leave and then come back to the Monsters and then retire there, and then. Bill Zito got him involved in coaching. You know, they couldn't have picked a better human being, but a better guy that wants to, again, teach and help. And, you know, for us to have those guys up there is is extra special because it just, it extends that relationship that not many AAA youth programs have. And it just shows the strength of it from the big club down to our 10, you know, 10-year-old uh, players. And, and I remember last year when Cole got called up for the first time or two years ago, Vogie wanted to be the one to deliver that message. And those are the cool moments for me that, you know, it, it's, I can't put words to it that, you know, when you close that loop so quickly, it, it is special. Yeah. I will say sometimes sitting on press row when Cole does something good, I have to remind myself that I am press <laughs> because, you know, like, I, like, you know, I was there during that U18 when it was super special. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Okay, so you've often said that you're not just trying to create good hockey players, but also good people. What goes into balancing the growth of a player and a person? Uh, that's a great question. I think just if your baseline is, is that of just helping and caring, you can get the most out of them, not only as a player, but as a person. And, and to me, one is tightly wound to the other. You know, if you're a good person, you probably have a lot of characteristics to become a great hockey player. If you're a great hockey player and you're not a good person, you're probably not, A, you're not going to last long in our program. But B, it's it's going to be a shorter runway for you. Um, but I think it, it's it's finding that balance of what the priority structure is. And, and for us, it's always been about development. It's And we've won in the process, but it's not a win-at-all-cost mindset where, to me, there's so much scar tissue. There's so much in society right now that's win-at-all-cost. And, and the amount of scar tissue that's left behind, 
you know, one of the things that I guess, and, and I heard this at a coaching symposium and it's something that really stuck with me. It says, you never want to be a player's last coach. And, and that is always stuck with me. So, you know, you want players to move on and play at higher levels and get those opportunities. And if they don't want to play, then that's, that's okay. That's a decision they made. You don't want them to ever come back and say, well, my coach didn't care. My coach didn't help me. My coach didn't do those things. So for me, finding that balance, but if development is the driver, one comes with the other, in my opinion. And and I think in a short period of time, at least in Columbus, Ohio, it, it may not work in other places, but in Columbus, Ohio, the formula works really well. And how did you translate that to the season ending the way it did last year? I know it was very disappointing for the kids yeah, and you guys too, in general, the adults too. Yeah, it's life, right? It's, you know, these are, these provide the opportunities for us to teach as coaches and, and sports is a wonderful vehicle for a lot of life lessons, both good and bad. Um, and this was one that was completely out of our control. We did everything we possibly could to get ourselves to play for a national title. And we didn't get that opportunity. And, and it, it was nothing that we could do, but there's so many things in life that are exactly that same way. They're out of our control. And it provided us an opportunity to, to try to teach. And for as much as the lesson sucked, we still had that responsibility. We weren't going to sit and point fingers and, and blame it was just the reality of our situation and, and the way we get through it is together. And, and that's what we did. And, and I took it with our guys as we were fortunate enough to celebrate a championship. There was a lot of other teams and a lot of other markets where they didn't even get the opportunity to have what we had for as much as it sucked that we didn't get to play at nationals. We still had an opportunity to, to celebrate something and celebrate as a team and, we won our last game and there's not many teams that get to say that. So for us, we always try to take the half full, you know, side of things. There's, there's days where it's tough and we're all living in some of those days now during COVID and it's just a year of resiliency. And, and that's the mindset that we've taken going into this season, but wrapping up last year too. So this is one of our favorite questions that we love to ask guests, but how have you seen hockey grow in Columbus over the years? And what would you like to see it become one day? Yeah, it, it's, and again, it's, it's a question that I've gotten through the years, you know, maybe mentioned different ways, but the growth of hockey has not only grown in numbers, but just the quality of, of player from the little mini mites up to adult league. And, and a lot of it is attributed to the NHL club and the involvement that they've had of supporting hockey at, at every single level. And, and the fun part for us is you can see you know, we, we've been fortunate enough to have some, some decent success at a youth hockey level when the NHL club hasn't as been successful as what they want. And now you're starting to see the NHL club the last five, six years really start taking the proverbial steps to become not only a playoff contender, but a Stanley Cup contender. And the cool part for us is we're seeing that increase in number of players, but quality of players from the youth because the interest is there. People want to be a part of it. People want to see it. You know, hockey is growing in Columbus. Again, not just numbers, but the quality of kid. And, and that's the cool part for us because when we look back, you know, you'd have a scattering of birth years that would be good and bad. And now with some of the younger levels coming up, it's pretty impressive to see the quality of play that's going to come out of Columbus 
at those eight, nine, 10, 11 year olds that we'll start to see come through the program. And that's where it's exciting for us as you start seeing that, that level of play grow. And we also see it at tryouts where, you know, eight years ago, we were taking kids that weren't AAA level players and we were trying to make them AAA level players to fill a roster. Now we are cutting players that are AAA quality players that may just be a shade off from another player, or it's a left shot versus right shot scenario. We can start getting pickier um, when it comes. So where I want to see it grow is, is building that base even stronger and better. So the high school teams get better, you know, the, the AAA teams get better and, you know, if we're able to continue to build that foundation at a stronger level and expand it where more kids are playing and we're able to provide those opportunities, it's, it's just going to have a ripple effect where Columbus teams are winning state titles. It's not Cleveland. It's not Toledo. It's Columbus hockey, you know, winning high school championships. It's AAA teams consistently being competitive on a national level. And we're not too far off. And, and I think all of that attributes back to Mr. McConnell and his vision of wanting to grow hockey by building fans. And it's a, it's a very cyclical cycle, you know, of the blue jackets want hockey to grow. So it creates more fans. When it creates more fans, it's more players. And, and that's where this, this market is at right now. And, and when the jackets win the cup, we are not prepared for the growth of hockey that's going to come with it. And you look around the other markets and, you know, Pittsburgh and, and L.A. and Anaheim and Dallas and Chicago. Chicago is, you know, a, a original six. So it's a little different there. St. Louis has had a pretty good history. But you look at those non-traditional markets. That's what excites me is when we win, it, it'll, it's going to happen. It's this market is going to take off and we're not going to change the philosophy of what has been implemented. And to me, when you add the championship and the big club success to what's going on here. Columbus is going to be a hotbed that it, it shouldn't catch many people off guard, but it will. So real quick though, I would like to talk to you about Paul Donskov. I know that that family has done tremendous amounts of things for your program, but all the programs as well in um, Columbus. Let's kind of speak to what the family, not just Paul, but the family in general brings to Columbus. Well, it's just, it's a hockey family. You know, and, and that's from, from Paul, Paul down and, and they're so passionate about growing the game and Paul instituted that. And, and I always, I chuckled, you know, after Paul had passed away, cause I was thinking back of all of our conversations and, and I never called Paul for what I wanted to hear. Like it, it was, you called Paul because you. He was going to tell you what you needed to hear, not what you wanted to hear. And he was just a wonderful resource for, for me as we were growing our program. But you look at Misha and Anth and, and Maddie and, and just the, the whole family is, is entrenched in hockey and, and it's, it's their lifeline. It's their lifeblood. And Paul was the patriarch of that. And we were fortunate enough to have Paul, you know, big part of our board and, and he's going to be sorely missed. Like I, just his his conversations that I would have, you know, there were sometimes I'd call him, we wouldn't even talk hockey, you know, but there's always lessons that you could take back with you that would be directly attributed to hockey. But when the first started flying, if stuff was going bad, 
Paul was a guy that I could always count on and and I'm sure going to miss him. That's for darn sure. And then I have one more question for you. Your dad was a prominent member of the ECHL. They even named an award after him. Uh, Speak to what you learned from him over the years and what you continue to carry with you and apply to hockey. Yeah, I, you may need a few more podcasts, I think, for, <laughs> for that one. Um, honestly, everything. Like, it's, it's, it's difficult to pinpoint it, but I think the, the one thing that he's always, leave it better than you found it. And that's something that he always did, and it's something that I strive to every day, is to leave the day better than I found it. And the other thing he was always big on is dreaming. And that's something that I continue to do today. So get a little emotional just even talking about them. Yeah, I will say that um, I carry that with me, the leave it better than you found it because you taught that to me. And that's how, so your dad's legacy is being spread through me too, because it's something that I took to heart. I think it was one of the first things you even said to me when I met you. So it just sticks with me. So I just want to awesome. Yeah. Ed, thanks so much for taking some time. It was uh, it went pretty fast, didn't it? Yeah. No, it's good. Well, anytime you talk hockey, it goes fast. Right. Definitely, <laughs> for sure. I know, right? So yeah, definitely really appreciate you taking some time to come on and we'll see you all next week. Subscribe to the Canon Cast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you can catch every episode. Leave us a review and a rating. And as always, we welcome your thoughts and feedback. Go to jacketscannon.com for more Blue Jackets coverage from us and follow us on Twitter at CBJ Cannon. Our theme music is the song Green Eyes by Angela Pearlie and the Howlin' Moons. Check out angelapearlie.com for more music and show dates. Hello, I'm Neil Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.